2022 SBC Pastors Conference in Anaheim, California, 12 pastors led us through Colossians verse by verse with the theme, We Proclaim Him. We also heard six homilies that dealt with topics such as problems pastors face, spiritual issues, mission involvement, evangelism, doctrinal fidelity, and practical church issues all of which were topics envisioned by the late M.E. Dodd, who founded the SBC Pastors Conference in 1935. Tune in and be encouraged as you make your way through Colossians and other practical messages from the 2022 Pastors Conference made possible in part by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Let me say that to the pastors in the room, we are thankful to be together on mission with you. Thank you for your work and your ministry on a regular basis. I'm sure there are those who want to tell you all the ways you're not doing it right. They post and tweet and maybe criticize you behind your back, even sometimes to your face and certainly to your wife. Wear a suit or sneakers, a tie or tie-dye, they may mock you regardless. Gain 10 pounds and you're the fat preacher. Gain, lose 10 pounds and you're the vain preacher. Every sermon is either too short, too long, or both. You're either boring because you're not funny or you've renounced your calling because you actually told a joke in a sermon. But you already know what they think. Let me tell you what I think. If you're a pastor of a New Testament church, you share the highest calling and shoulder the heaviest burden. No one else on the planet has the privilege of serving as an under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus himself, caring for and loving his bride, except you. No one else on the planet bears the burden of readying the bride of Christ for her wedding day. And pastor, for that, I love you. And the IMB loves you. More importantly than that, the Lord Jesus loves you. Don't you quit. If you're a pastor of a Southern Baptist church, and that'd make you a Southern Baptist pastor, and you lead your church to be a witness to Jesus and his gospel to the ends of the earth through Southern Baptist cooperative missions, I want you to know I love you even more. Thank you for who you are, for the way you lead, for what you do. Thank you for supporting your 3,600 IMB missionaries and their 2,850 kids who are an extension of your ministry among the nations. As you give through the cooperative program and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, you sustain a missionary presence among the lost around the world. And we are grateful. What we do, we do together, or we don't do it at all. And at the IMB, we're thankful to be doing it with you. I wanna share a chapter of scripture today. I've chosen this chapter out of the 1,189 chapters in the Bible because this chapter, as much as any other, and more than most, turns our attention to the world's greatest problem. What is the world's greatest problem? Hear the words of our Lord. It is the word of God spoken into being as he came, 
but also as he inspired those who wrote and as he gave revelation to a servant by the name of John. Revelation chapter 20, John writes these words, and I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison. And he will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. John describes in his vision the events surrounding the return of Christ. For a thousand years, Satan will be held captive and Christ will reign. At the end of a thousand years, Satan will be released. Then once for all defeated, he will be cast into the lake of fire to face eternal punishment, as will all those whose names are not written in the book of life. While this chapter from Scripture is incredibly important for informing our understanding of the order of end-time events, what I want to highlight today is the outcome of those events. Nowhere stated more poignantly nor definitively than in the final verse of the chapter, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What is the world's greatest problem? That is the world's greatest problem. In a word, the world's greatest problem is lostness. To be spiritually lost is to be condemned for eternity to the lake of fire. 
Lostness is the world's greatest problem because it is a problem, the one problem with eternal consequence. Hearing verse 15, especially in light of verse 10, where we read that the lake of fire and sulfur is where Satan, that ancient serpent, and where the beast and the false prophet were thrown. Knowing that that is the destination, the destiny of any who have not heard and believed the gospel, any who remain spiritually lost, that they will, as verse 15 emphasizes, be there forever is a reminder of Jesus' own words regarding hell in Matthew 9, 48 as a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Regardless of what John Stott or other annihilationists may choose to believe, the Bible teaches that hell is forever. To diminish the eternal consequence of hell is another way of diminishing the reality of hell. Among our generation of Southern Baptists, most would agree that Hell is real and it lasts forever. The question is, do we act like it? Do we evangelize it like it? Do we preach as if hell were real and it lasts forever? Do we teach as if hell were real and it lasts forever? Do we love as if hell is real and it lasts forever? Hell is real and it lasts forever. This is the one problem, an eternal problem, the greatest problem in the world being lostness. All other problems end at death. This problem begins at birth, increases exponentially at death, and lasts for eternity. But it's not just a problem that is eternal. It is a problem that is universal. Phrases from John's vision, recording what he saw. He saw the dead, great and small. Each one of them were judged according to the books. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. This, brothers and sisters, is a reality for every human being. No matter where they are, who they are, where they've been or where they're going, who they know, what they do, whether or not they have an education, whether or not they can see, whether they can or cannot hear, can or cannot walk, live in plenty or in poverty, enjoy peace or endure war, whether they be free or in prison, sober or addicted, short or tall, Eastern or Western, tribal or urban, Asian, European, African, Middle Eastern, it is appointed unto men, all men wants to die, and after this, the judgment. And all have sinned and fall under that judgment. The world's greatest problem is this, and it always has been. Ever since that ancient servant that John saw in Revelation 20 slithered into Eden's garden in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve's problem became their greatest problem, their sin. They experienced the fall and the judgment of God, but it was a curse that was extended to their offspring. And so it became Cain's greatest problem as their son, but also as a sinner himself. It was the greatest problem in Noah's day, Jeremiah's day, Isaiah's day, Ezekiel's day, and it is the greatest problem today. In fact, it's a far greater problem today than it's ever been. Our research team at the International Mission Board gives me an updated figure every year. Based upon global population, the global death rate and religious affiliation, they provide me with an estimated number of people who will die lost every single day 
who have given no indication that they have heard and believed the gospel and been born again. That number grows every day. We update it once a year. It's higher this year than it's ever been at 157,690. Think about that every single day. 157,690 souls face eternity apart from Christ in a never-ending hell. More people will die lost today than on any day upon which the sun has set in human history. But thank God there's a solution to the world's greatest problem. There is a book of life authored by the one who declared to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And thus God has solved the problem of lostness, the solution to the world's greatest problem, that problem that began in Eden's garden, the solution determined even before then, before the foundations of the earth were laid. The solution culminates at Golgotha where the Son of God was crucified for the sins of the world. It was completed not at Lazarus' tomb where Jesus spoke to Martha that I am the resurrection and the life. No, it was completed at a garden tomb not far from Golgotha. But the one who died for the sins of the world was raised, crushing the very head of that ancient servant, casting him in the lake of fire and declaring victory over death, hell, and the grave. God's solution to the world's greatest problem, the problem of lostness, is the gospel. The true story of Jesus' death and resurrection, and the good news that any who have faith in what he did, who repent and confess him as Lord, are saved from the judgment of God. Any who would with faith look upon the Son of Man who was lifted up as the bronze serpent was lifted in the wilderness will have eternal life. Pastor, why does your church exist? Whether it's at the head of a holler or down in the hood, whether it's in a small town or a big city, a suburb or a county seat, farm country or another country, your church exists to solve the world's greatest problem. And the IMB is here to help you. We do what we do together or we don't do it at all. Thank God for you. And I thank God for the privilege of serving you and serving with you in the work that he has given us to do. We know the solution to the world's greatest problem. The world is dying to hear it. Let us go and share it.